NG Poland and JS Poland conferences are coming soon. This year promises to be exceptional. We will see the Angular team on the stage. We will see quick creator, solid JS creator, experts from Google, Microsoft, Amazon, Cisco, Old Zero, and many, many more. Join an amazing group of developers like you today. Let's come together to celebrate Angular and JavaScript. Go to ngpoland.pl and sign up now. What's up everyone? This is Dariusz Kalbarczyk, co-founder of MG Poland, JS Poland, AngularMaster.dev and WorkshopFest.dev. Welcome back to Angular Master Podcast. Today, together with Neil Kaufman, who is an excellent speaker, trainer, GDE, vegan like me, front-end tech lead at Next Insurance, we will talk about front-end development today. Hi, Nir. How are you? Hey, hey, hey. I'm fine. Thank you. Okay, so before we dive into the world of technology, for those who don't know you yet, please tell us about yourself. About myself. So, I've been a software developer for, I believe, almost 18 years. Yeah, I'm a little bit old. Does it always look like this? Uh, in the front-end business for the past 12 years, uh, just because I like it. Uh, I started uh, building UI with uh, old technologies like Flash and Flex, and before front-end developer was even a thing. And most of the time, that's what I'm doing because my job is my hobby, and my hobby is my job. So they're mixed together. And to make it even more uh, fun, I love to, um, I really love to share my knowledge in any opportunity that I get, which means that uh, uh, working with the community uh, and meet new people and, you know, learn from others. So basically I'm 100% into coding because I like it. And maybe later on uh, I will tell you, how I combine it with the other hobbies. Perfect. Uh, yeah, and I've got some fancy titles. If if uh, if you like, you know, uh, Google Developer Expert. I wrote some books. Uh, I did some stuff, but um, I'm I'm not too much into titles. If uh, if you're listening to this and you want to learn more about the technical spec, just look for me on LinkedIn. And if you want to see all the fun part, look for me on Facebook. Can you say something more about the books you have written? Yeah, actually, it was a little bit long ago. I I think, if I remember right, I had the opportunity to uh, author three books, uh, two of them on Angular. Uh, one of them was when Angular just came out. I think it was about uh, the new Angular components. And then one about reactive forms. And one which got the title uh, Thinking in Redux, which is like vanilla JavaScript and new approach in Redux. It was a very, very interesting experience because I don't write blog posts. I love to share my knowledge uh, through uh, talks. I don't, I don't do blog posts. Uh, I don't even do open source. I mean, that's my contribution is just talking with people. 
So yeah, so uh, these books, uh, um, Thinking in Redux and Reactive Form, both of them are free and available. Uh, and I'll be more than happy if you check it out, if you give me some feedback and if it helped you. Amazing. We will add links to your books in the description of this podcast. How did you start your adventure in programming? Actually, I started as a musician. That, uh, that was the beginning. But uh, in some point, I had a recording studio. And it was the 90s, early 2000, I believe, when I was uh, 17, 18. And obviously, I, I, I started working with computers in my recording studio. And I found myself uh, looking for ways to, uh, to um, leverage technology to make music. I did rock and roll, not electronic music at all. But I got into keyboards and MIDI programming, and and to find a way to 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 improve my uh, my creative uh, workflow. So I I think that that was that was the first step that bring me into technology and programming in general, because music, reading music, notes, uh, I found a lot of similarity with uh, with with code, with thinking about code. I know that code is science and, and, you know, music is art. And later on, uh, later on, I wrote my first Photoshop plugin, which is like a completely different hobby, which is photography. And that was the turning point. That was my first UI. And then I understand that I really enjoy uh, creating and I found it amazing that you can just, you can just write some, some, some sentences in English and create pieces of software which is useful for something. And since then, I'm coding. So I wasn't bored with a keyboard in my hands. It didn't start at school. Um, it was just a natural, I think, journey into coding. Yeah, that's basically, that's the beginning. Why did you choose uh, to master Angular? Oh, Angular chose me. I didn't choose Angular. <laughs> I'm kidding. I know it was like uh, my first, my first, I think it was my first uh, role as a front-end developer. It was a very bad company, actually. They hired me. I was the only uh, front-end developer to build some, some very, very, very simple website with jQuery. And I got bored. And AngularJS uh, just came out. And I decided to just I just picked it up and decided, well, that looks like a promising technology. Although before it, I used Flex and I used uh, Flash and I used Backbone and I used other frameworks. But something in Angular looks very slick. Maybe because it's uh, maybe you know because it was Google and a nice logo, and 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 that that was the reason. So I didn't I didn't choose it like as a strategy or because of any special reason. I looked for a new framework to learn and to master, and it was, was just the, I was in the, in the right place in the right time. And since then, since then, it's just for 12 years of Angular in a row, very intensive. So I always say is, is not that I choose Angular, it just, it was there, and it was the perfect time for me because I was a, uh, I was ready to, to dive deeper into the world of these shiny frameworks and Angular was 
was in front of my eyes. So what is your opinion of front-end development today? That's a, that's a great question because, uh, like I mentioned before, <laughs> because I'm kind of, you know, I'm kidding, yeah, but because I'm like an, I'm an old front-end developer who started before front-end de- development was even a thing. So today, in, in, when I look uh, at my career and, it, and, and on front-end development in general, I, my opinion is that we took it too far. It becomes very, very complicated uh, to build uh, web applications. Uh, we build mighty tools. We build mighty frameworks. Um, it just seems when I think about the complexity of web apps that I built 12 years ago, it was almost the same complexity in most systems, not all of them, but the tools was very, very straightforward. I mean, most of the time it was just server-side rendering. And if you needed some interactivity, so few lines of JavaScript and no bundlers, no Webpack, no, no thinking about single page applications, lazy loading. So my opinion today is that we need to, we need to, as a, as a, the ecosystem, we need, we need to, to take a step back. We need to, we need to rethink, I believe, uh, how did we get here? Why, why is it so complicated? Is there any chance that we created our own problems? Like it seems like that every framework, obviously it's got some pros and cons, but every framework introduces new problems and then try to solve them. And then there's a new library or, new, uh, or a new tool that they're that, that trying to, to keep and solve the problems that the previous tools created. So I'm not very happy with, uh, with the current mode of front-end development. And actually, to be honest, recently I started to talk a lot about uh, is front-end development still a thing? Aren't we just you know, software developers, web developers? I mean, most of the front-end developers that I know um, in their day-to-day job, in their project, needs to and have knowledge to work with Node.js, for example. Does it mean there are full-stack developers? What, what is a full-stack? A lot of developers today, one of the requirements is to know a lot about uh, DevOps in a, in, in a way. You need to be familiar with, uh, with, uh, with development environment, with Kubernetes, with, with a lot of other technologies. So, so, so yeah, so today I think that it's... Uh, today I'm, I'm, I'm dealing a lot with a lot of questions... Have we took it too far? Have we made it like too complicated? I just want to build a customer portal for my amazing company. Do I really need video courses and, 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 and learn about these frameworks and these tools and these patterns and this architecture? The application itself is very simple. Two days ago, I had uh, I participate to a conference called um, um, the JavaScript uh, JavaScript Global Summit, and the theme was uh, life outside of the major frameworks, the popular frameworks. So I took this opportunity and I talked about Backbone JS. So uh, they will publish this in uh, in some point. I'll share the link with the community if it's uh, if someone finds it interesting because it was a very very nice experience to uh, 
to talk and show a little bit uh, code on, you know, this kind of old MVC framework in 2022. Because yeah. it gives you like a perspective and, and you look at this and say, hey, wait a second, I understand MVC. I, it's a little bit of JavaScript and it works. And it was 12 years ago and now we've got Angular and Vue and, and Svelte and compilers and you name it. So. What do you think about the new features and the future of Angular? It's a, it's a hard question for me because I'm, I'm, I'm involved in Angular. I mean, I'm involved I mean, in my day-to-day work. I work with Angular for a lot of years. So it's not that I think that it's uh, that something wrong with the framework. I I kind of I've got I've got mixed feeling about the direction that the framework takes. Uh, for example, uh, in Angular 14, we introduce uh, the the inject function was introduced. So you don't need any more, uh, you don't need the constructor of your classes in order to inject some code in your system. You can just write functions. So Angular, in, in, in one hand, it gives us the opportunity to use functions and composition. But on the other hand, I really like the fact that Angular keep everything kind of um, like consistent You've got classes, you've got constructors, dependency injections can work with constructors, and it's, for me, anyway, it's easy to think about it. And, I, and I'm a little bit worried that new Angular developers these days are going to get a little bit confused because they're going to get some, some mixed experience of we use classes, that's the syntax, that's how Angular works. So if I want to create a, a component, a pipe, directive, whatever, I need to declare a class. Uh, we use annotations, which is an Angular thing. I think this is the the most popular usage in front and in annotations and decorators. Maybe Nest.js, but that's that's a different story. So I need to declare a class. I'm going to use annotations. I've got a different. I've got a separate file for a template, and now I don't need constructors. I can write func- functions and mix the functions into my classes. So I've got some mixed feeling about, about this direction because I, I can see how it makes my code um, um, like simple in a way, or more flexible and enable me new features, but how it makes it hard to a new Angular developer to, um, to, to understand what should I use. What's going on here? It's not functions. It's not purely classes. What's the relationship? And I can see it already, to be honest. I've seen an article of someone who implemented, um, uh, for the listener who's familiar with React, and I believe most of the front-end developers at least familiar with React, I've already seen an Angular developer create a a hook uh, with Angular, vanilla Angular, uh, using the new inject function because now it's standalone, so you don't have to create a class in order to inject. And he called this hook uh, use effect and declare it inside an Angular component. So, so it's kind of, I've got some mixed feeling about it. Now, the other features, I mean, they're blessed. I mean, now we've got the uh, type forms. 
let's let, let's continue with this. Let's continue strength the types in Angular. Uh, standalone components, again, great feature, but in a way, um, it reduces the amount of code that we need to write. It's a blessing for 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 an experienced uh, Angular developer because we can think of. Uh, of virtual modules. We don't need Angular modules. We can think about, all right, I've got standalone pipes and standalone directives, and I fully understand how the eye works, and I can compose them together into pieces of code. Uh, it might be easy for us, but uh, recently I had the opportunity to uh, teach uh, a new Angular developers, first time seeing Angular, and it was confusing because... Angular modules might be redundant. We don't really need them. But on the other hand, that was still, if you ask me, like the the selling, like that's Angular. That's the uniqueness of Angular. I believe that thinking in Angular modules, it's a little bit easier than thinking about you've got different pieces of code you still need to declare the dependencies, but now every class and every decorator decorator become bigger. Like the imports array moved from the module to a component in order to be standalone. So I hope I, 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 hope I was clear enough. So uh, so so yeah. So so my I mean, just mixed mixed emotions. I really really hope that. Uh, that um, that, um, that that the Angular team won't push it too far, and Angular won't become some you know we've got so many ways to do something. Uh, use modules, don't use modules. Use constructors, don't use constructors. Use classes and functions. Use just functions. So I really hope that it won't end up being like a very confused and inconsistent uh, framework. You're listening, Angular Master Podcast. Listen, code, repeat. Everything you need to know to become an Angular super developer. Which other UI frameworks do you use? I'm, I'm working as a, as a tech lady in a company called Next Insurance. Uh, so on my day job, uh, we're working with, so we've got Angular apps, obviously. Uh, it's always Angular, part of me. And we've got our public site built with the React and Next.js. So if if the listeners are not familiar with Next, uh, although it's very popular, it's like a framework on top of React. So Next.js, um, personally, I'm touching both. In recent years, I'm working with Angular and with React on my, uh, on my professional life. Um, on my free time, my side projects, is written with, uh, I've got one project, uh, actually it's already the third project, written with Flutter. And now I'm working on uh, on uh, my own private uh, app and I write it down with the Remix in React. My personal website will be Gatsby. So I'm trying to touch a lot of, a lot of frameworks because uh, I found that I found that it's uh, it makes me a better uh, UI developer. I'm not saying front end developer. I'm, I'm using the term UI developer because 
all of the framework trying to solve basically the same problem. Try uh, and, and give you tools, uh, declarative tools, usually, declarative way to build user interfaces. And once you, once you uh, um, work with uh, several UI frameworks, uh, eventually you get, uh, you're starting to see the, the pattern that, uh, that common between all of them. And you start, and you're starting to think about, uh, uh, starting, um, it's very, very easy to get better in any of these frameworks because all of them work on the same principle by the end of the way. Was it clear enough? Yes. Yeah. So Flutter, React. And Angular, this is the main technologies that I'm used on a daily basis. And take the opportunity, you know, in weekends to learn something, something new, not for production, not for any project, just to open my mind. Nir, tell us a little bit about your meetups. Yeah, of course. Meetups, meetups are like a very, very important part of my life. Of, of my life, not lives. <laughs> uh, meetup, yeah. Well, meetup in a way become my social life because I dedicated myself to the craft and I like it. And like I said before, um, building software uh, is, is both my, my, my job and my hobby. And, and because I'm always trying to, to keep myself busy and my head works, um, I don't have too much opportunity I didn't have too much opportunity to share it with others, even to talk with others people, because you sit with yourself and, and you know, and you're trying to, to get better because you like it. And I discovered meetups. I discovered that this concept of people who's coming together, uh, getting to know each other, uh, share knowledge with one of, 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 of with, with each other, um, and everything is free. And it was, we are 2022. I think my first meetup was 2014 or 13. Yeah, nine years ago. So I was invited to talk in an Angular Israel uh, meetup. It was the second meetup uh, because AngularJS just become popular. And that was it. Since then, I've been, uh, I took an active part. I've been an organizer, a co-organizer, and a contributor of meetups in Israel, uh, Europe, uh, United States. And for years, in any given time, there are at least three different meetups that I keep alive. I keep it alive. I keep it organized. I'm doing the best to bring people on. Um, and it's become it's become a part of part of my life. It's it's become like the it's complete my life. It's the it's the balance between uh, social life, um, the, the the enjoyment of sharing knowledge and learn. So it got bo- go both ways. An opportunity to know new people, especially when I start to travel the world and 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 and, and being guest in other meetups. Uh, yeah, and actually, yesterday, yes, yeah, I believe it was yesterday. Uh, I I started a completely new meetup, which is uh, pushing the boundaries of uh, of a technology meetups to the edge. Yeah, take take a hike. 
It's a, it's a meetup combined with off-road adventures. In Israel, we've got a lot of nature all around us. And the first meetup is going to be in November after JS Poland, where it's going to be two days. Uh, it's going to be a meetup, a technical meetup, a workshop, uh, which is going to bring people to one of the south, uh, to a south city in Israel, which is very far from the center. And then we're going to do an overnight and sleep together in tents, in camping. And then on Friday morning, we're going to get on off-road vehicles and go out to a trip in a desert. Wow. So, so, so meetups become so, something very special for me that I'm always trying to, to push it a little bit further and to see how, we can, how, how I can bring technology, people, and, 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 and interesting activities together. So that's like a fresh new thing. Hopefully it would be great, but I'll share some pictures. So if you listen to this and you want to wanna see what's going to gonna happen with this, just, just follow up on uh, Facebook, Twitter, whatever. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah, definitely then, we yeah. have to share a link to this meetup. Of course. Take, take a hike. That's the, that's the name. Let's go back to Angular. Where to start? learning this beautiful framework, what to pay special attention to, and what can we skip at the beginning? That's a, that's a great question, because Angular is a, is, a, is a huge framework. There is a lot of API. Uh, the documents got better, but it's still not there. There is a huge community, which means there's a lot of resources out there. A lot of videos, a lot of blog posts, a lot of new Angular developers are confused. They usually start with uh, with uh, trying to start with the official um, tutorial, but then then discover that it's not good enough for them. And there is a very very popular uh, video course on Udemy. Uh, my recommendation uh, probably will be a video course, uh, not on Udemy, uh, on a website called Frontend Masters where there is a, a Google developer expert in Angular which, which build and maintain, I believe, um, again, that's my opinion. I watch it, I watch it, it all. I never, I never recommend without seeing it myself. I believe that's the most uh, fundamental clean and professional Angular course out there. I will more than happy to share the link. Um, I believe that a fresh new Angular developer should start with only one video course um, and try to keep focused, try to filter all the noise around it, not try to learn Angular with the course and the documentation and blog posts and some random uh, YouTube videos. Just Start start a video course. There's an instructor there. It's gonna take you from zero to one hundred. Finish it, and then start build something. I mean that's ideally if you if you're just in a, if you're not working with Angular. Um, I mean, it's 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 not it's not like a very special recommendation. I mean, it's probably most of the people will say find find a course that you feel comfortable with. But 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 I'll tell you another thing. Uh, my recommendation is it once you once you once you start feeling comfortable with Angular, once you learn the basic, 
it's going to be hard, but try to, to filter the endless opinions out there, including mine. Try to, uh, to, uh, to adopt the, the principle of, 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 of case, of keeping, keeping it simple. Because in Angular, once you dive in, like any other modern framework, we talked about it in the beginning. State management, all right. So should I learn NGRX? Should I uh, use Akita? Should I use another framework with Angular because they have to manage it? No, you don't have to. You've got services, you've got singleton, start with this. Uh, all right, Angular, should I, should, should I use reactive form? Should I use template form? Well, wait a second. Think about what you're going to build. If it's simple and, and, and template-driven forms works for you, that's what you should use. Even if you heard a group of Angular experts saying that, no, if you want to get professional, if you want to build robust forms, you have to get familiar with reactive forms. But what if I'm not building an enterprise-level complex app? What if all I've got is simple form and, and template-driven forms work for me? What I'm trying to say is that core Angular API give us everything, basically everything we need. And it might sound funny, but it's, but I found like as a, as a teacher and an instructor, I found out from feedbacks that uh, new developers with Angular find it much more easy to, uh, for example, to manage state using uh, services and dependency injection, like the most basic Angular app that you can think of. Um, and not with all the other libraries. And they can build wonderful stuff and it's much easier, they're, they're in control. So that, that would be my recommendation. I mean, use what you need, start with core Angular and add more libraries only if, only if you, you, you're blocked. You come into a situation where you feel you're starting to lose control on your code and your first steps should be filter everyone and like i said before including myself they're just going to be they're just going to be confuse you we work with angular for, for for years so it's kind of second nature for us so so you know we've got opinions we did some stuff we know what works and what's not but if you're new to it it's going to be overwhelming you're going to lose yourself keep yourself focused use core api uh think software don't try to don't focus too much about about uh, about the, the the framework API. Use your use your logic. That's probably going to work. Because one thing that a lot of Angular um, Angular evangelists is not saying is that there is no right and wrong. I don't hear it too much in in in, in Angular context. I'm always here like. Uh, you know what I'm talking about. There's a lot of uh, talks out there, and the title is Best Practices. There is a lot of experience, uh, great developers that that um, that advocate, that's the Angular way. This is how you should do it. That's the way to do it. If you're doing it like different, it's not good enough. I, I can give one example to the listeners, like, the, like RxJS, which is the whole subject by itself. Reactive programming is a, is, a, is a complex topic, even without Angular. Um, 
And one of the things that a lot of new developers struggle with is obviously how to use observables because it takes some time to 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 to, to get used to it to adjust your 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 thinking to get into this mental mode. And one of the things that I suggest, I show them that um, all the important core API in Angular designed to work with either an observer or a promise, which caught them by surprise. Because then you discover that the async pie works with uh, uh, promise as well. Uh, you discover that you can build reactive apps with promises and everything works. You discover that RxJS actually exposed two methods, which are totally valid. It's not considered to be a workaround to translate an observable to a promise because sometimes it just makes your life easier. And it's very unpopular opinion to use promises in Angular, but that's, this is the exact, this is the thing that I'm talking about. You started with Angular. You need to make an API call, a simple API call that brings you back an object that you want to display. You're familiar with promises. You're familiar with the async await uh, syntax. You know it before because you used JavaScript before. Now you're into Angular and the entire world saying, no, 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 Angular, fully reactive, RxJS, observables anyway, you have to learn it, otherwise you can't build anything. But that's not true. Use async await because you just got started and it's valid and it makes sense and Angular support it. That's, I believe, the way to go. Once you feel more comfortable and easily dive into the world of RxJS, you can make the decision if it solves a problem for you or just make things more complex. So keep it simple, guys. And use uh, use use common common sense and you know ignore the experts in the beginning. Listen to them later on. But don't adopt their opinions as first steps. It's just, just going to confuse you. Don't listen to me. Okay? That's what I'm trying to say. What is your recommendation for creating an Angular project from scratch today? I would say when you create, well, of course, use the CLI, create a new project. That's the, that's the basic. And then, well, I don't want to spoil the surprise that I'm, that I'm preparing for ng-poland, but the first thing that I'm doing in a fresh new Angular project is visit the main TS file and turn ng-zone to none. No zone.js, no automatic change detection if I'm starting a project from scratch. Now, other frameworks don't have, like the, the, the let's take React, for example, because it's easy. It's become one of the most popular tools to build UI out in library. The concept of uh, some proxy like ng-zone that sits out there, uh, a catch async events and a trick change detection, is kind of almost unique to Angular. I'm, I'm not sure 100%, but it's like 99% that I don't think that there is any other framework that uses Zone.js, specifically Zone.js. I think it's, it's an Angular thing. Now, in other frameworks, you're, you're manipulating data, and then you want to trigger change detection. So you either use observable, or you've got a method like in React, you've got use state, set state, 
And you've got the same concept in Angular. Every component can inject the change detector and you can call a specific method called uh, detect changes. Now, if you want to try Angular in a very, very different way that I believe will, 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 will bring you to wonderful places, start a project, shut down Zone.js, which means that nothing's going to automatically update. And then from day one, you're in control. You change something, there is a set timeout somewhere, there's an API call. You can decide whatever you want to update the UI, run change action, or not. If you want to update the UI, you're going to have to, to, to explicitly call the method detect changes. Because one of the most confusing part of Angular and the source of a lot of bugs is change detection runs automatically. So we use zone flags and a lot of other techniques. My best recommendation today, guys, uh, try it. Give it a try. Angular, the whole framework, can work amazingly without it. Uh, check out uh, Michael. Michael RxJS, you know which Michael I'm talking about. Exactly. I call him Michael, but I believe I would pronounce his name wrong. Michael, Michael is okay. Michael, Michael. Look at his wonderful work. He actually contributed uh, to, to NGRX uh, to build some directives that can give you uh, the, the push directive and the Latin. Angular can be fully reactive, fully controlled without Zone.js. So uh, try this. That's going to be my very unpopular uh, because I believe I don't have any prior knowledge I just from from my my feeling and and, and and you know an experience with angular the future of angular is zoneless in some point uh, the angular team gonna start pushing to we don't need zone jazz and you can still use angular it's going to be fully reactive maybe the API will get a little bit better to trick change detection and, and Zone.js will be the future of Angular. So you started from scratch, start without Zone.js. In any point of time, you can bring it back and everything works automatically. But give yourself a chance. That's, that's my unpopular recommendation. Next question is about ID. What ID are you using and why is it WebStorm? I use WebStorm for years and... You know, I tell I tell a secret now for all of the listeners because if you ever seen one of my talks, I've got my usual jokes jokes on like almost I think every other code editor out there, which is not WebStorm. Actually, people people sometimes ask me if I get paid by JetBrain to advocate for WebStorm, so I don't get get paid at all. And why do I use WebStorm? Just because. I used to it. That's it. And 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 my agenda in life is if you do something, focus on one thing and 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 master it. Do do just invest your time in one thing, do, do one thing and do it as good as possible. Now, it doesn't really matter if you choose Webstone VS Code, any other editor that you find useful, it doesn't really matter. But a lot of developers, you know, they start working with an ideal code editor. And this is like a, the most important tool for us as developers. And they don't invest enough time to actually master this tool. And then at some point they start to ask myself, 
all right, maybe maybe I should switch. Maybe, all right, this code feels it's not uh, fast enough. I'll try Webstone. Webstone is slow. I'll try this. Oh, I've seen this talk and use the sublime text. I might use this. Uh, so I use Webstone because I believe take one tool, learn it, and, and, and that's it. You don't really need to, to, to spread around. It's just, just going just gonna to confuse you and hurt your your career development if you if you if you if you if you replace your cad editor from time to time or if you didn't invest enough time you know that in webstone well it's kind of webstone but but i invested a lot of time to learn this ide i mean 100% and i even took it a step further you know that my uh, if uh, if the listeners hopefully they're gonna come uh, and visit uh, NG or JS Poland, and I hope they're gonna they're gonna see my talk. Um, even the color theme that I'm using is, first of all, it's a paid color theme. I'm paying for the color theme because 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 it's very important to me to to do the best that I can, even when it's come to colors in my ID. So. So why Webstone? Because I master it and I feel comfortable with it and I don't look around at all. That's the, that, that's even technology, you know, the, let's say that uh, for some reason you are still a PHP developer in 2022 and you feel very, very comfortable with PHP. That's your language. Well, technically you can build everything. And the user, the end user, they're going to use your app. It doesn't really care if you if you wrote it with PHP or JavaScript or Java. The end user doesn't really care if you used uh, VS Code or you code it with WebStorm. The only people who actually care about which language to use or which code editor you use is us, the developers. Something wrong with us. The, the user care about does the app that you build is useful, it's fast, it's fun to use, got a great UX. You see you see where I'm heading with this? So guys, I make a lot of fun on, on VS Code, but choose one, you choose VS Code, great. Invest some time and master your, your tool, your code editor. It's gonna it's gonna pay off eventually. The, there is no there is no perfect programming language. Any programming language got a problem. There, there is like popular programming language and trends, but by the end of the day, uh, when I sit to build my uh, side project, I'm going to choose, and that's my recommendation, especially for, for, for not just junior developers, but developers in general. Eventually, I'm going to, the best decision that I can make is to choose the technology that that I'm comfortable with, which is my safe zone, because it will enable me to work faster and not, you know, try to learn something and mess with other stuff. You know, PHP, it doesn't even matter if it's popular or not popular. It doesn't even matter if it's, uh, if there's, if you're using the new shiny version or you stuck like five years ago, nothing nothing matters it matters that you're familiar with it you feel comfortable with it that's your safety zone and you can build your apps very very fast as a developer and focus on what you're building 
Same for frameworks. You know, you asked me before why Angular. I mean, Angular because I know Angular very well. Angular very well. So I'm gonna build apps with Angular, even if someone, even if 100 developers gonna sit down and say this is too much. Your app is too simple. Why did you choose Angular? Because I know Angular, which which enable me to focus on what I'm building. The framework is transparent for me. You know, both of us are musicians. And a nice example that, that, that I like to give to people is like uh, people who play the guitar. Whatever, I know, I know you are a bass player, but it doesn't really matter. Same thing. You know, when, when we first learn how to play, you focus on the guitar. You look at your finger. You look at, you look at the strings. It's not like, it's not natural. And in some point in your career the guitar become transparent. You don't, th- you don't think about it. You don't, you don't need to look or where you put your finger on. You focus on the music. So that's my agenda, and it's, it's, it's about Angular, and it's about WebStorm. Take one framework, take one IDE, uh, master it until it becomes transparent, and you don't waste any time struggling with the framework, with the tool, and you can focus of, of the creation. The million dollar question. Best ideas to optimize a slow running large front end application. First of all, I'm going to do some promotion, but it's a good promotion because it's a promotion for a meetup. <laughs> uh, that I hope I don't spoil, spoil the surprise, although I am subscribed to the to the mailing list of NG Poland and, and I've seen that there is going to be a meetup on uh, October 20. Correct me if I'm wrong. October 20, uh, exactly. And I'm going to be there, and I'm going to talk about exactly this, some useful techniques, practical techniques to make things faster. It's going to be specific Angular, of course, but to answer your question, base ideas is, first of all, to understand that there is no general checklist that you can apply to every application, and that's just going to work. Because sometimes you you hear uh, experienced developer or or consultant saying, "All right, you have a, a, a you have a, a slow running app, even without looking at the code, even without looking at what's going on, they they instantly they've got a checklist. All right, uh, do a lazy loading, do this, do that, do that, and do this, and do that, and it's going to be better. Sometimes, and sometimes developers just say, "All right." My Angular app is slow. My React app is slow. I'm going to search through the internet. I'm going to find the first uh, article that says, here are 10 techniques to make your uh, app faster. And there are great techniques. And you're going to apply them line by line. And your app will still going to be uh, slower. Actually, I can give a great practical real-world example to the listeners. Angular and lazy loading. So in one of our core systems, uh, we decided the, the performance need to be improved. And it's a large app, and we've got a lot of Angular modules. And like, you know, the best practice is let's lazy load all the modules. And even another best practice would say um, all the modules should be lazy loaded, but you can preload them. Angular got a built-in preloading strategy. So you can load your app module, your initial module, and then in the background, keep loading all the other modules so you get you enjoy both worlds. 
You've got like a code splitting, you're loading just what you need. Your app should start faster. In the background, you load all the other modules and well, it's supposed to be faster. This is like by the book. And guess what? The app still slow. And then we dive into it. I dived into it and I discovered that in Angular, when you preload a module, all the initialized code that belongs to this module is running, which means that if you preload all modules, you're running a lot of JavaScript, and some of that might block the white thread. I'm gonna actually I'm gonna show all of this in the in the middle, but 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 what I'm trying to say is that the best advice of this very abstract questions, what's your recommendation for 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 handling slow apps is first of all understand that there is no checklist out there. Whatever works for me won't work for you. So invest enough time to investigate what's actually makes your app slow instead of just jump on, uh, look at, uh, watch some talks, uh, read some articles and start, you know, going through the checklist because you might find yourself after two weeks of applying all the techniques in the world to find out that your app is still slow. And then you're going to sit down and ask yourself why it's slow. And then you discover that everything is fine. You just have a lot of images that you can optimize. Or something wrong with the CSS. It's got nothing to do with the framework, or a third-party library that that, that got some 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 inf- infin- infinity loop inside. I have one more question about WebStorm, if I may ask. How do you start learning this great tool? Oh, that's a great question. Hey, WebStorm. One of the one of the common mistakes is to think that WebStorm, once you install it, it's ready to use. But actually, WebStorm is like it's like it needs some customization before you can use it, and some developers not even aware of it. Now, uh, you won't be surprised, but but I've got to talk about it, which I can share the link. It's called "How to Play the WebStorm: How to Fine Tune It Like an Instrument." Um, so basically, there are two things. How do you start to learn WebStorm? First of all, you have to tune it up. Otherwise, you're gonna have a very, very, very bad experience. And and there's a checklist for it. You need to disable all the plugins that you don't need. Otherwise, it's just gonna confuse you. You need to fine tune the memory, uh, the the memory uh, heap that allocated to WebStorm. Otherwise, you will try to learn WebStorm, but it's gonna stop. It's gonna be slow. So it's gonna hurt your experience. And then um, the next tip will be. Master the 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 key shortcuts, but the but the the default shortcuts, not something custom, because once you um, I'm, I'm I'm like I'm I'm remembering when I decided that I want to master Webstorm, every action that I did manually, I stopped and looked for a keyboard uh, shortcut. Not because I wanted to be cool and not use the mouse, and it's like just because when you when you memorize shortcuts and you're looking for shortcuts, uh, at least it works for me. Stuff gets into your brain. I mean, don't don't just use the IDE. It's it's like again, it's like in other things. I'm using WebStorm. Um, I want to do something. 
I wanna I wanted to be able to select multiple lines. I don't know how to do it. A lot of developers, even they won't even spend a minute to read the docs because all right, I'm not sure how to do it. Maybe it's not supported. Maybe I'll learn it later. And I'm saying no. Even if you're in the middle of your work, I mean, invest two minutes. You want to do something. Something doesn't work. Everything works fine, but you just want to focus on one feature. For example, uh, one of one of the things I mastered are, are all the side panels. And then one of the other things that I mastered, I dedicated a month just to learn and master the, the Git integration in WebStorm. The Git integration in WebStorm, it's an entire world. Now, a lot of developers use, use a desktop GUI for Git because they don't know that inside of WebStorm, you've got amazing Git support. So they invest their time to use other tools and get out of the IDE. My recommendation, another tip to learn WebStorm, don't leave the IDE. You need to do something. Don't just jump to the terminal, open up another tool. You know that WebStorm got a built-in database support? Not a lot of people even know this. You can actually visualize your database. Angular, uh, Angular, WebStorm uh, have built-in UML support. With few keystrokes, you can get a nice diagram of all of your code. So, so I think that the best tip of how to master WebStorm, you're working, you need to do something. The, 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 the easiest thing to do, get out of the IDE, open another tool. Don't do it. Just stay inside your ID and and dig uh, deeper, and you'll find out that you can do everything because IDE stands for Integrated Development Environment, and then you will master webs. How do you manage life-work balance? Do you have time for hobbies? I combine them together. That's the secret. That's the top secret because these questions, a lot of people, you know, they see what I'm doing in my life and they come to me and tell me, how? How do you have the time for it? And what about other stuff? What all the things that you're just coding? And they know I'm not just coding, I'm doing other stuff. Like music and, and off-road driving and, and a lot of other robes, photography, for example. I found that the only way to keep growing with your professional career happily and keep your life-work balance is to to actually you know take this term life work balance and let's 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 give it another thing. Take your hobbies and find a way to to how they can naturally be part of your your professional life if you want. Yeah. Um, actually, you know, we talked about it a few questions ago. I give another example. At the beginning, uh, you know, a lot of people struggle. I want to drink beer with my friends. But I also want to take this time after work and get better with some technology. So I've got a dilemma. I don't want to stay without friends. And it's important for your soul, you know, to sit with guys. But on the other hand, I, I really, really want to take this time and learn because I don't have any other time. So you know how how can you get better uh, and meet some friends, drink beer, and and get better in your career? Combine it together. 
go to a meetup. You're going to talk with people that works with you in the meetup itself. Uh, you're going to hear some lectures. You can talk about stuff that you do. And then after the meetup, you can sit down and drink beer. So we're going to have new and old friends. Music, for example. I don't have time for music, but I love music. So I started to combine these two hobbies together. There's a very, a very project, old project that you're aware of called the Front End Band. Since then, it was evolved to different things, but it's still alive. Up until now, uh, I'm working in a big company in, in Israel, in our uh, R&D center. We are like a few hundreds. Uh, and we just came up with an with a office band. And we play together every week um, just for fun, just to keep it alive. When I sit at night, now, now, now I'm talking with you on this podcast. The listeners can't see what's going on around me. But once I'm done with this, I'm going to take an hour and sit on my music. And when I sit on my music, it's, it's going to help me. When I create my music, I'm thinking about... I'm inside my inspiration zone and I'm thinking about nice things that I would like to bring to, to my talks at NG Poland. So I just find a way to combine them together, like, like this new meetup. I really like to go outside. I want to go to a trip on the desert with my off-road vehicle. I don't want to do it alone. I want to bring friends with me. But I also want to keep it um, to, 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 to share my knowledge. Let's combine them together. Let's create a meetup. And this meetup intended for people, who, for, for other developers. And, you know, I, it was published two days ago, and there's, there's already a group of 20 people that want to come to hear a meetup and go to a trip on the desert. So, so that's the trick. I mean, life balance is important, but, but I believe, and for all the listeners right now, yeah, this is my belief. <laughs> Be careful, because everything has pros and cons. But I discovered that um, if you look at work-life balance by saying, this is work, cut, this is life, that's not going to work. Never. It's, it's, it's parallel. Unless your, your work as a developer is just a work, you don't love it, you hate it, it's just another day job, it pays the bills, and you, and you wake up early morning, you do the best that you can during your work hours. And then once, I don't know, 5 p.m., you forget all about coding, go home and do completely different things, which is 100% fine. Most of the people that I know, they, they love it. So that's the tip. Life work balance, don't, 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 don't even try to cut it out and say, this is work, this is life. Find a way to bring your your life into work in a good way yeah there there are bad ways to do it and your work into your life if you like it and then it's a win-win situation what advice would you give to people who are starting their career in the software world today and what for those who are old timers yeah well people who starting their careers I will give the exact opposite advice of what I just talked about. Uh, put limits. Because a lot of, a lot of uh, 
a lot of uh, tips that you hear out there for junior developers are, all right, you're a junior developer. You want to build your professional career? Coding, 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 coding from sunrise till sunset and build projects and build your portfolio and read books. But once you get a little bit older, you understand that there is a limit of how much your brain can 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 can, can think about digest digest exactly that's the word I was looking for so so my best tip for beginners is the exact opposite you want to get better there are few effective hours when your brain can digest and you can fully understand what you're doing don't sit the whole day long writing code because in some point it's not going to get into your brain you're just going to have great muscles in your fingers. So you started dedicated four hours, five hours of learning, coding, and then go ahead and do something else, which is, again, this is like the complete opposite of like the tip. And, and for your questions, like uh, older developers, yeah, not juniors, when you when you find your your place in the software industry, then you are ready for the next step, and then you can you can you can start doing this work life balance the, the way I see. It. Then you can then you know yourself, and you can put your hobbies inside of it and everything, and it looks like you're doing uh, you know coding and and software all day long, but that's not the truth. So guys, if you're listening and you just got started. Don't listen to anyone who tell you that in order to uh, to start your career as a junior software developer, you have to sit 24-7 and code. You will find out if you're brave enough to take this advice, you will find out that if you do the exact opposite and you spend few effective hours of learning and development and the rest of the day doing stuff that makes you feel good, you'll become better um, sooner than you think. Two books you would recommend f- to our listeners: one technical and one non-technical. I think I know it's I know it's like very popular to say, but I don't care because I don't think about what's popular. I think about what I like. I think that Uncle Bob Clean Code is still my most favorite book about software crafting ever. It's still this book. I haven't read another book that actually I enjoyed reading and helped me think about my craft better. So that's like, that's for me, that's that's the classic, the, the best book that ever written. It doesn't really matter if you like Uncle Bob. If you don't know Uncle Bob, check out this person. Uh, but I believe that's the best book. Um, but generally speaking, if you're looking for a book and you just got started, even if you've not just got started, my advice will be, don't go for, uh, you know, technical API books about frameworks and tools. Look for books that are more like uh, philosophic or like open your mind about thinking about your, thinking about software development and not just, you know, technical books. Like the book that I wrote, you can read it, but, but, but you know, it's just describing API and some practical techniques. I wouldn't choose it to as a book to open my mind. I choose it as a reference. That's the technical part. So Uncle Bob Clean Code for sure. Non-technical. <laughs> Honestly, 
I don't remember when was the last time that I read a book, which is not technical. <laughs> oh, you know what? There is one, but it's a... Uh, well, I can't recommend it to anyone because it's very specific. Um, so I give my personal recommendation. If you're into uh, uh, electronic music and you felt into the amazing world of synthesizers, there is a book called Patch and Tweak that dives into the, the, the anti-material world of how do you create sound with pure electricity. It's about synthesize and, and life and history, which is an amazing book. I'm, I'm going to share the link uh, because maybe one of the listeners uh, is into this world. So, yeah, so, so I think that's the only book that I read, which is, again, it's not technical, but it's very specific to my hobby. Amazing. How do you remember your last visit to Poland? Last or first? <laughs> last. You can also tell us about the first one if you want. No, I tell you what I'm asking because, uh, uh, you know, today we, for all the listeners who doesn't know my history with, uh, with Dark, uh, like seven years, I think. It's been seven years. Seven years ago, yeah. Really? I mean, it's going to be NG Poland number seven. Yeah. And, and I remember that you invited me to the first one. Uh, so, uh, because I'm saying this because today, uh, Warsaw become like, I feel in Warsaw like my, my second home. I feel, I feel, I feel natural, feel comfortable to, with the people, with the culture, with the, with the, with the uh, community of developers. Uh, the first visit, I didn't know what to expect. You know, new culture, new city, first visit. Uh, my last visit, unfortunately, I was supposed to come in person, but COVID-19 called me like, uh, it was COVID-19? Yeah. yeah. I believe that the first one. Yeah, I got it twice instead. <laughs> Yeah, so I visited, uh, my last visit in Poland was uh, was uh, online, unfortunately. But the one before it was amazing. Because because I feel so comfortable and so, and so happy and so natural with the community uh, in Poland, with the people around me. Uh, I think the last one, it was the one when I was dressed like, a, I don't even know how to, know how to call it. The guy with the mustache, which actually, it doesn't have a name. It does. You know what I'm talking about now? The last conference before COVID. Of course you are. I was, I was dressed like a, uh, I, I, I don't know what it is, but it's uh, disturbing. Uh, but, but it just means that, you know, I feel comfortable. I feel open. I, I feel that I can be myself and have fun with everything, everyone around me. So my last visit in Poland when I was in person, you know, it was like just, 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 just good things and good vibes. I literally, I don't have anything bad or, or strange to say about this visit. Long That's amazing, a friend, you know, seven years. Seven years, exactly. That's amazing. It's hard to believe, but it's seven hard years. Hard to believe. Seven years. 
So what we can expect at your appearance at NG Poland and JS Poland this year? Oh, well, I don't want to spoil the surprise, but I could, I'm going to tell the listeners this, all right? I've got a very, I've got a very special relationship with this conference, with this event in general, and with the amazing organizer that right now, uh, um, um, you know, I'm speaking with. Uh, but put my relationship with uh, Darius, that's your name, yeah? I call you Darek. Darek no? is a shortcut. Darek is a shortcut. But putting aside my friendship with Darek, uh, what did you expect? First of all, for NG and Jazz Poland, I'm always um, take the time and my inspiration to, to, to bring something fresh and to talk about something in a way that I haven't talked before in any other conference. I'm doing, I'm, I'm, I'm a public speaker, I'm moving around conferences. Um, I'm doing my best to bring fresh content. Uh, sometimes, you know, that's the same topics, just a different talk, but JS Poland and NG Poland got a very special place in my heart. So you Thank should you. expect, if you're following me, personally, if you had a chance to, to see one of my talks before, You should expect something new. You should expect something fresh. You should expect having fun, hopefully, because I believe that having fun is very, very important and it's, it won't hurt some uh, very professional stuff that I'm going to share with you. Yeah, and I, you can expect, uh, I don't know, come and say hi, let's talk. Let's talk after the talk. Let's have a beer together. Amazing. Near. Thank you. Thank you so much for today's conversation. Thank you. A lot of great tips, a lot of great knowledge. And uh, yeah, and I'm looking forward to seeing you on the stage in Warsaw very, very soon. Thank you so much. Very, very soon. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Finally, please subscribe to our podcast, leave a like and a comment to help us continue to grow.